0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2.
1: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. There is breaking news happening right now uh, based on precinct-level data in Virginia and county-level turnout data in Florida for Election Day Democrats are behind the scenes in panic. They have a turnout problem uh, that probably can't be solved in the next six hours. Dave Wasserman of the Cook Political Index reporting that based on an analysis of the data happening in Virginia and Florida, two states on the East Coast with real-time data models or data collection for who's turning out, Democrats are not right now showing up to vote in Virginia or Florida Two states where the Democrats aren't showing up, it's probably indicative of other states as well. This could be very bad news for the Democrats. Also, it turns out in a review of the early vote in Pennsylvania, uh, it was far less of a turnout than even 2020. This is going to um, be a big deal for the Democrats. Now, I need you to just let me talk with you for a minute, not at you, but with you. You can yell back at me. Uh, I. But before I do any of that, I'm getting overwhelmed with emails, phone calls, and text messages from folks. So let me just say, I don't yet know about my wife's scans. Um, oh, I might as well say this. Um, so our stress levels get kind of high around this time, and my wife's have gone into overdrive. So y'all y'all got to understand the sort of Damocles thing um, that hangs over us. My wife takes a pill every day. It serves as a type of chemo. It's not real chemo. She has very weird reactions to it. This pill, it, it, as I understand it, my wife's cancer thrives on a protein her body makes that it shouldn't make. And these tumors form all over her lungs. at stage four. And this pill keeps the protein from being produced by her body, which keeps the tumors from growing. And at some point, the pill stops working. The protein figures out a way to mutate around the pill and comes back, and the tumors grow. And oftentimes, um, you go for a scan, and by the time you come back three months later, it's too late because— the tumors have grown so much, there's nothing you can do. Uh, and this pill works for two years. We are six years in, and the pill is still working. We don't know when it will stop. In the first two years, we didn't really have a lot of anxiety because the pill works for two years, for sure. Everybody who's on it, two or, two years. So now every time we go back, we're like, "Is this? is this when the gig is up? And so stress levels go through the roof. For a very long time, I had a friend of mine who would on Thursday nights before the, before the Tuesday scans. The scans are always on Tuesdays. He would take me out on Thursday night. I would get a hotel room and we would stay up all night and <laughs> drink too much and watch Happy Gilmore and, and take my mind off of it. Um, and uh, not in a position to be able to do that anymore. Um, my wife doesn't have that kind of outlet and she kind of just stews on the stress in the last few days so i grilled hamburgers on sunday night and one of them i i have the greatest grill ever invented it's called a dcs it's made in new zealand and it gets over 1500 degrees on every square inch of that grill if you get it up to the sear setting and I was grilling burgers, and I had—I I turned it to sear because it kind of gets so hot it cleans itself. I was taking the burgers off, and a blast of hot air hit my eye, and I flinched and flipped one of the burgers into the bushes behind the grill. One, the grill was too hot for me to reach back there, but two, it was in the bushes. I couldn't get to it anyway. Well, the dog did yesterday, and, and our dog is not an outside dog. We've got a golden doodle. And the dog tried to swallow the hamburger whole and choked. The dog, my wife loves the dog more than my wife loves me. I will just, we're very open about this. Needless to say, thankfully, the dog was able to spit out the, cough up the burger, did not die. Uh, But wow, was I in the dog house yesterday. Every bit of stress came out. Uh, It sounds kind of silly now, I guess, but it was, uh, she was very upset, very shaken by the dog being unable to swallow, unable to breathe, unable to eject the burger um, it was it was a rough night in the Erickson household. I was in the doghouse for sure as the stress builds up. And it's we go through this every three months. And I, I apologize if I'm snippy with some of you today on the phone. It's just waiting. Uh, will today be the day where we find out that life as we know it comes to an end and we start something new, different, and difficult? And we go through it every three months. And so I appreciate your prayers. And as soon as I know... I will let you know, but I don't know, and I'm getting antsy not knowing. Um, but we'll get there. We will survive. I want to spend a moment before I get back to phone calls, just talking about Stacey Abrams because she's been a national cause led by the left, and and she's going to lose today. I have sources within her campaign who are very good sources connected to her campaign who tell me key staff began leaving last night. They weren't going to stick around today because she's done for. She's over and done with. I was kind of annoyed. Patricia Murphy is a uh, former Democratic staffer who's now like the senior political editor at, at uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution who did an analysis of why Stacey Abrams isn't catching uh, the wind at her back, why she's not catching fire this time. Is kind of like, I don't know why she's not working well. Here's Here's the problem. There are candidates on both sides of the aisle who begin to believe their press. And Abrams is one of those candidates. As She began to be wooed by the left. She wooed the left. They wooed her back. Hollywood loved her. And she became someone unrelatable. The worst thing to happen to a candidate is unrelatable. I'll tell you what my team prefers me not to tell anybody. Oh, they know immediately when I say this exactly what it is. I'm surprised they're not rushing in here to, like, force me into commercial break. Um, I have a, a situation that requires me to travel non-commercially on a plane on Friday. I'll put it to you that way. Thank you, Priority Chat. They're like, oh, don't talk about this on the radio. Make you Unrelatable. I actually had to tell my kids don't don't talk to people about this people don't like people who who travel like that it it sounds very pretentious it sounds like you're bragging even when you don't mean to so you don't don't talk about it i i, I this is a special situation that requires it um and so it's being taken care of but um normally i wouldn't i flew delta dorlando the other day but this is a unique special circumstance um, but it's something that everyone's like, don't talk about it. It makes you unrelatable. Y- you've got to be relatable to win votes, to to hold an audience. You can't be this aloof jack wagon. And unfortunately, Stacey Abrams has become the aloof jack wagon. Uh, Stacey Abrams is, is more at home with people in Hollywood than with people in Georgia. She's become tone deaf to the politics of her home state. She has not served an elected office in eight years or so. She only served in office as a state House of Representatives member in Georgia. You would have thought she had been governor of the state, and I know she claimed to be governor of the state, but you would have thought she held a higher office than state representative in Georgia. Yes, she was the House minority leader, but being the minority leader in the House of Representatives when the Republicans controlled everything is a nothing-burger job, frankly. So she attached great importance to who she was. The media attached greater importance to who she was, and she believed she was important. And she lost touch with the people who matter, the voters. She served as president of United Earth, and it became a line the Republicans could parody her for. Last night, I hosted the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, and the Republican statewide tickets pep rally, final pep rally. And I started by asking the people there, the crowd, if they were ready to beam up Stacey Abrams and send her back to, beam her back to Hollywood. And the crowd went wild. It's become the butt of jokes. She is unrelatable at this point. She lacks a sense of humor. She lacks a relatability. She went to a school of elementary school kids in February of 2022. And she sat down with these children, all of whom were in masks, and she was not. And no one in her campaign questioned that that was a good idea. It went to be this viral photo. That was the moment Stacey Abrams lost the election. She was never going to win it. Because Brian Kemp showed people he was his own man and not not Trump's flunky. She was never going to win. But the decisive moment where it was game over came in February when she sat down for that picture with the kids. That became the defining moment of unrelatability. It wasn't Star Trek. It wasn't anything that came later. It wasn't saying 107 sheriffs in Georgia just want to throw black people in jail. It wasn't claiming abortion is an economic issue. That was the moment. She sat with a bunch of children in elementary school who were in masks, and she was not. It was the moment she became unrelatable. That was the moment she jumped the shark. And she will end tonight a has-been two-time-losing candidate for the gubernatorial mansion in Georgia, a woman who on television was open about wanting to be president of the United States. She should have taken the offer from Joe Biden. History will note one of the greatest political mistakes of any Democrat in the 21st century was Stacey Abrams turning down Joe Biden's offer to run with him as a ticket in the Democratic primary of 2020. Biden wanted to form a ticket with Stacey Abrams, to galvanize and rally black voters behind him to ensure his nomination. But he looked shaky and not a sure thing, and the governor's race in Georgia looked like a sure thing to her. The governor's race in Georgia should not have looked like a sure thing to her because of what Brian Kemp did. He defied Donald Trump. But Abrams believed that in defying Donald Trump that Brian Kemp would have a difficult Republican primary and he didn't. He overperformed. I was told by sources in the Abrams campaign, they looked at spending money to help David Perdue in the Republican primary in 2022, but their polling suggested it would be a waste of money. And they were right. He curb stomped Perdue and will curb stomp her today. Metaphorically speaking, of course. The show's over. The gig is up. The fat lady is sung. I'm not talking about Abrams. It's time for her to go away for a little while. Now that all sounds cruel and it's blunt. But I want to say this, and I hope someone relays this message. Stacey Abrams, when she ran in 2018, had a sense of humor about her that she does not have now. She had a sense of where she had come from that was not a campaign prop but an authenticity, and she lost that. She could come back and win. She could come back and run for another office, but she's got to find her sense of humor and her authenticity again. She lost those things to Hollywood. She lost those things to Vanity Fair. She lost those things to the cover of Time. She became a— hypothetical, abstract candidate, not a real person. And every candidate everywhere risks this. And the problem is that Abrams' campaign was convinced that given her education, given her pedigree, given the man she was running against, there was no way she could lose. And they're flummoxed. They're flummoxed. How is it, they wonder, could a Yale-educated woman of color be losing to a Budweiser-drinking redneck in Georgia? And the answer is because the Budweiser-drinking redneck is an authentic human who bore his soul and took on the weight of a virus and the attacks of a president and came out on top. And all Abrams did was believe the praise of the press and expected the rest of us to do it as well. And we did not. And so when the voters vote, black, white, Hispanic, and Asian, they'll go to bat for the man who had their backs and not for the woman who drips with disdain for them because they don't know how good she would be. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country, fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington, That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877-973-7425. Phone lines wide open for your non-conspiracy theory stolen election questions. I'll entertain the others. I'm just pleased savor the win today, people. Savor the win. Right now, I'm going to go to Mike. You're going to be up next. Mike, welcome. Hi, hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a question about the governor's races throughout the country, and I'm a Republican, but how do they impact nationwide? I mean, I hope uh, Republican in Nevada New York wins but how does that affect the national uh the the nation I guess they'll say crime in particular uh crime in the economy so um, the more Republican your governor is they tend to be more pro-business pro deregulation that forces more competition among the states economically that's good for us on the crime level um, it really 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 is a a big uh, big issue at the local level. It will force a crime package out of Congress that provides more resources to the states. Remember, starting back in the Obama administration, they walked back a lot of uh, the quote-unquote militarization of police forces. They wouldn't give them a lot of surplus hardware for the federal government. Uh, that'll, I think that'll change. Uh, those are the two big issues. Uh, the competition between the states becomes more aggressive. And that's a good thing. Competition lowers prices. It provides uh, more jobs. It helps people navigate around the country. Uh, When California is so dominant, and California is still economically pretty dominant, it allows um, competition among the other states to attract businesses. And the business grows the states, and that's a good thing for all of us. Uh, Steve, you're going to be up next on The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome.
0: Oh. Hello, Eric. Thank you very much for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've heard I've, I've heard you talk in the past, and I'd like you to kind of uh, revisit it a little bit about what the – we've got a group of Congress um, people and maybe some senators who have only been in office in a position of the majority. And uh, there's a potential that they will now be in uh, in the minority. And I think, you know, you mentioned that they'll have their eyes opened up a bit because they were – Unwilling to negotiate in the past, held hard lines, and um, I just would like to hear that because it would make me feel good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I I honestly think there will be riots uh, come January when the Republicans take over. I really do. Um, These people have embraced the existential fear of democracy being doomed if the GOP takes over, and there will be some riots probably in Washington, D.C., Portland, Oregon, and elsewhere. Uh, But I do think what is going to happen is Biden will either have to come back closer to the center and start negotiating with the GOP or uh, they're not going to get anything at all done – And the economy itself will go down. Both sides will blame each other for who wrecked the economy. But Biden, at the end of the day, uh, may be a Dr. Dementia here, but he's going to want to get something done in the next two years. And he'll have to go through McConnell and McCarthy. The one thing I don't think he'll be able to get done is put more judges in the federal judiciary. I think the days of federal judges in the judiciary by the Democrats comes to a grinding halt. And the Biden administration, to be fair, has outpaced even Trump. The problem for them is that they did it at the district level. It's the circuit judges that matter. And Trump filled up the circuit uh, court of appeals so much there weren't really any spots for Democratic nominees. And there are still plenty of spots at the federal district level. And now those won't get filled. They will wait for a future Republican president. And by the way, guys, if the Republicans do blow it out of the water of the Senate and get to 54, 55, they have a really good shot at getting a filibuster-proof 60-seat majority in 2024, given the seats that are up, many of them held by Democrats in states won by Donald Trump, even in 2020. It's a bad sign for the Democrats. They kind of know. This is it for their majority, at least for the next four years, if they lose it tonight, which looks like they're going to do. 877-973-7425. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to go back to your phone calls here, 877-973-7425. Before I do, though, I need to say something to all of you, particularly if you're a Democrat. I, I really, truly, genuinely need you and want you to listen to me. You have been told that democracy is threatened. You have been told this may be the last election. And I know some of you believe that, and I need you to know you're wrong. And I know because I'm from the party that pioneered this fear tactic, of telling you this is the last election. This is the last best chance to get it right. It's the last election. They've been doing this for a while. They want to amplify your fears because they want to motivate you by fear to vote. Do not live by fear and do not vote by fear the more you internalize the election is over the more you internalize the the destruction of of the vote the more you do these things the more you amplify the abstract existential threat under which you live mentally it makes you angry Republican voters were told for so long by their leadership that this was the last best election to save the country. This is it. This is it. The country's over. If you don't win, if we don't vote. And the Republican voters would turn out and vote and turn out and vote and turn out and vote. And and suddenly it became very obvious the Republican leaders who told them this was the last election to save the country didn't really believe it because they didn't really act like it. And the voters who had embraced it got so mad they burned the party down with Donald Trump. And now you are on the same path. If you're a Democrat, your leaders tell you democracy is over. Democracy dies if you vote Republican today. That's that's what they're saying, that it's some level of existential threat. And some of them believe it. Most of them really don't. And you know they don't because they funded the very Democrats or the very Republicans who they said are an existential threat to the country. Some of you believe it, but your leaders don't, and you will soon realize that's true. But I want you to know that you're going to have a very bad night tonight. The Republicans are going to take the House, and they're going to take the Senate. Black and Hispanic voters are going to vote for Republicans in numbers they never have before. And after tonight, you will have to learn to say for the first time Speaker McCarthy and relearn how to say Majority Leader McConnell. And I want you to know in four years, my party's going to go through this. Just like we went through it four years ago in the midterms. Because in two years, we'll have a Republican president. And so the Republicans will get battered in four years. I, I want you to know that. Because I want you to understand democracy is not over. Democracy is not going to die. It's going to be regenerated with the votes of the people today. It's going to be regenerated. It's going to be restored. It's going to be renewed. All things made new in this country through the voting of the people with a new Congress coming in. And you will see, there will be an election in two years, and there will be an election in four years, and there will be an election in six years, there will be an election in eight years. Your democracy is not dead. It's renewed with the votes of the people. So in the meantime, try not to embrace the existential dread of the end of democracy because it's not coming to an end, and we're a republic. This is our democratic act in the republic. But also love your neighbor. Because if democracy did end, your neighbors and you can take care of each other when there's no national government to do so or an authoritarian hand comes looking for you, they can protect you. But love your neighbor. The neighbor who disagrees with you vehemently in politics, the neighbor who has the Brian Kemp ad- sign in his yard when you have the Stacey Abrams sign in the yard. Learn to love that person as a, as a brother, as a, as a friend, as a neighbor, as someone who you can talk to things about that are not political. Because that actually does you a lot of good mentally when you can relate to people without politics, when you can find someone and find something you have in common with that person, even though you disagree about the way the world works. You're going to need to do that. Because I'm looking at the data as it's happening around the country and the states that provide it in real time, and the Democrats aren't showing up today to vote. It's now gone beyond Florida and gone beyond Virginia to other states. Republicans are showing up today to vote. Democrats are staying home. It is, as I'm talking right now live, 141 PM. There's not enough time between now and polls closing to change the trajectory, at least in the East Coast and Central Time Zone. That's where most of the votes are. Doom is coming for your side today, and it's okay, because you will win an election again. It's just today. The democracy's not over. You and I will survive. We'll all go on about our way. We'll continue to agree to disagree. Life will go on as we know it. Now let's go to the phones. Jason, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Eric. Uh, enjoy the show. Thanks Thank for you. taking my call. Sure. Um, so if if what if if the Republicans take back the House and the Senate, like like is predicted where does that leave election deniers i mean it at any point is something going to change their mind <laughs> um i don't know i and i
1: asked this a couple of weeks ago Uh, On the show, I guess last week I asked it. um, Philip, if you're listening, we probably ought to push that video out ASAP today uh, before the polls close so we can all rejoice together without being mad at each other. Listen, uh, I don't actually understand what the real excuse will be for election deniers other than, well, the states change the laws. Except uh, I think Oz is going to win in Pennsylvania. They didn't change the law. I think Laxalt and Lombardo or the Republicans are going to win in Nevada. They didn't change the law. So what actually changed? I, I don't know what they're going to use, but I'm sure there will be some rationalization for it, Jason. Uh, But the fact of the matter is that the election was not stolen in 2020. It's not going to be stolen this time. What's going to happen is the GOP is going to win. if somehow, God forbid, there's a massive wave of Democratic votes tonight, well, then I'll have to rethink things, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I hope that the people who thought 2020 was stolen will rethink things. Ryan, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thank you for taking my call and uh, prayers with you and your wife and your Thank family. You. Um, I wanted to just add hopefully a little bit of humor and lighten the mood. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about Biden appointing a, an ambassador to the environment. I believe her name was Medina. Yeah. And I was a little surprised that at her press conference, she didn't ask if Harambee, Old Yeller and Bambi's mom were there. (laughs) And By the way, you know, this is this is um, Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff. It's his wife, who's now the the ambassador to the environment. Uh, She will go out and negotiate the peace deals with the redwood trees. (laughs) Uh, yes. Well, yep. Uh, listen, There, there man, was a great there was a great tweet from a, a representative from New Mexico saying we're dealing with inflation, crime and, you know, invasion and, and Biden's ideas to appoint an ambassador to asparagus. So I thought that was funny. And- <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Really, what, what's going on here is let's be honest, this is an ambassador to weed. Um, she's going to be very popular in this White House. <laughs> Ryan, thank you for that. Yes. The ambassador to asparagus. I wonder if her pee will stink. (laughs) Okay. Curtis, save me from myself. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for your time, Eric. Uh, Always appreciate your show and and prayers to your family. Thank you. I'm a uh, right-leaning moderate Republican over the years. I have voted for Trump twice. There would not be a third time. And my real question is, I think the next two years with The way the polls are driving the results will be an interesting two years with the leadership of Biden. But what's it going to be like in the primaries if we have another Trump run? What's that going to do to the Republican Party?
1: Oh, you know, listen, um, so here's the thing. In in, in all honesty, Curtis, this is a great question. You know, Trump alleged that he would um, announce last night and then didn't and said he'll make a special announcement November 15th. You need to understand the reason that Trump feels pressure to announce is because of Ken Griffin. Ken Griffin is a a hedge fund manager. He runs Citadel, big hedge fund private equity shop, and has announced he's throwing his weight behind Ron DeSantis. He's the first of the GOP mega donors to do so. And that's forcing Trump's hand. He's trying to lock out the other big name donors who uh, were thinking of DeSantis and may hold off. Trump thinks I don't think they will. The media wants nothing more than to focus on the crack-up of the Republican Party so they can avoid having to deal with the Democratic Party. And I think that's a real problem. I think it's a a, a deep, deep problem for the Republicans to bring back in Donald Trump, a near-80-year-old man who can only serve one term for president, when we could set a course for the future. The Democrats— will put up a bunch of has beens Maybe even Joe Biden himself. The Republicans have a chance to come in with a fresh, f- f- fresh face, a DeSantis or someone, and and dominate in twenty twenty four. But if we got to refight twenty sixteen all over again with Trump, and I don't know that he can get it this time. Uh, NBC News. After the 2020 election had 90% of the GOP identifying as Trump's party, now only 30% identifies the party of Trump. Uh, I I think the, the GOP can chart a path forward, but we got to do it without, we got to move beyond Donald Trump. If you want some perspective here, Mitch McConnell just spent $246 million winning the Senate for the GOP. Donald Trump f- spent $15 million. He raised $100 million and spent $15 million to try to save the Senate. He could have spent all that money, but he won't. Because he's like Smog the Dragon and he wants to lay on his pile of gold. And that's what he wants. And when he heard Ken Griffin was coming in for DeSantis, Trump thought, well, that's gold. That won't be mine. I've got to come in and announce because I want that money. And it's about the money. And that's the problem. It's not about winning. He doesn't care if he wins. He just wants the money. And we need to win. And we may be winning in New York This is John Avalon on CNN this morning.
0: Let's just get real about the dynamics behind these midterms. There's a physics behind the pendulum swing of midterm elections. And this stat really captures it. When presidents are below 50% in their midterm election, they tend to lose an average of 46 seats since 1982. 46 seats. So you can see Reagan, Clinton, Obama, Trump, Biden in that category, unclear how many. But that's a benchmark to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. The other thing is the expanse of the map. You know, we're focused a lot on these too-close-to-call Senate races, and they are tied as a tick. But the map's bigger, right? You saw Joe Biden campaigning in New York State, right? That's a sign of Democrats on defense. Let's be real about that. In New York.
1: Yes. You're in New York State. That's a problem. That's a real, real problem if you're campaigning in New York State. That's a real problem if you're a Democrat. You shouldn't have to be campaigning in New York State. And yet, that's where the Democrats are campaigning. Uh, By the way, my wife just texted me as I'm talking. She said radiology is running behind, that we won't actually have her scan results until this evening now. So uh, today is hurry up and wait day for everything. So par for the course. Right now, I need to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because they've got their uh, three-pack for sale again. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you can get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping, EdenPureDeals.com. Here's what you get, three odor eliminators. They don't mask the odor. They don't scent the odor, they get rid of the odors, wipe them out. Pet odors, smoke odors, litter box odors, frying odors, cooking odors, the musty odors of a hotel room, uh, the rental car, somebody smoked in it before you got in it, it takes care of those odors. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code is ERIC3. It also traps the dust of the pollen, the mildew, the mold, the bacteria. But it, use, it it really eliminates odors. And you get three of them for less than $200. One for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your RV, your car, your suitcase like I do. It is EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan wherever you are nationwide you're in charge of the finances of business and you want it to grow, reach out to them, FirstLibertyGA.com. They make their own lending decisions. So where banks are saying no to a lot of people as the economy kind of heads south, First Liberty finds a way to work with you. But big deal, $750,000 or more. You're growing a business, buying a franchise, building a building, reach out to them, FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, Steve Kranacki at MSNBC. been analyzing the data on the election as we head into it with likely voters, independent voters.
0: The feelings, the environment, the attitude when it comes to the economy. Our poll finding that more than 8 in 10 voters say they are dissatisfied with the current state of the economy. We haven't seen a number that high on this question since 09, 10, around the time of the crash, the Great Recession, that period of time. And then when you ask people straight up, what's the most important issue as you make up your mind? Economy and cost of living, inflation, those two combined for 37% here in terms of being the top issue. And the folks who cite that at their top, as their top issue are breaking in our poll for Republicans by a 43 point margin. So those are the headwinds that Democrats have against them here, uh, sort of historically speaking, and in terms of the climate we're in right now.
1: 37% say jobs, the economy, cost of living matter most, and they're breaking for the GOP 43%. Number two is threats to democracy at 23%. They're breaking overwhelmingly for the Democrats. Number three is abortion at 9%. And then immigration and crime are at 8% each. And they're breaking overwhelmingly for the GOP. That's not good for the Democrats, nor is this from Chuck Todd.
0: Biden's job approval rating sits at 44% in this final NBC News poll. By the way, all-time low with independence his approval rating is just 28%. And let me put this in context for you. What does a job rating mean? Some people believe it's the single most important indicator to understand where a midterm election is going. Bill Clinton's 44% job approval rating translated into a 54 seat loss for his party. A 45% job approval rating for President Obama in 2010 translated to 63 lost House seats. 46% for President Trump, 40 House seat loss for his party. So what will 44% give us? And here's, the, to me, the number you probably ought to care about the most in this poll. The state of the U.S. economy. 81% tell us they are dissatisfied. This is the second highest number we've ever recorded. The last time it was this high was just before the 2010 election. And you know how that one went. Exactly. All
1: right, to the phones. Daniel, you're going to be up next. Got about a minute. Welcome.
0: Hey, Eric, real quick. Uh, I woke up this morning to some of my political
1: signs vandalized, and I'm not going to take them down. I'm going to leave them up because I'm not going to let anybody uh, intimidate me. It's my choice, my uh, vote, and I honestly – I'm probably going to piss off a lot of Republicans and Democrats because I didn't vote for anyone in the U.S. Senate race. I didn't like anyone. And I wasn't going to get behind someone just because somebody was trying to strong-arm me. And I told you that months
0: ago, and I still am not going to. But if it goes to a runoff, I'll have to make a hard choice.
1: <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, if voting is way more important than who you vote for. Uh, it really is. Uh, and, I look, I know people who couldn't bring themselves to vote in the Senate race. Uh, that That is on your conscience or not. Uh, however you feel, that's fine. I know a lot of people who voted for Walker, I know a lot of people who voted for Warnock and a lot of people who didn't vote at all. I'm actually very curious to find out what the undervote is in that race because I think that'll be the most undervoted race in Georgia uh, with a lot of people refusing to vote altogether in that race and that may put us into a runoff. Uh I never thought I would miss the adult underwear and the erectile dysfunction ads, but I'm I'm ready about 7 more hours we'll get back to the ED ads and the Depends, ads unless we have a runoff in Georgia. When we come back, more of your calls, 877-973-7425.